If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you've got a horse business and you need help with copywriting, public relations, social media, email marketing, graphic design or website design, then talk to Sophie Barrington at Archer Creative. She's got a wide variety of services to help you increase your bottom line through investment in marketing dollars. Simply go to horsechats.com, search for Sophie, search for Barrington or search for Archer Creative to find all those contact details. Now, our guest today is Christian Langader. He's an equine soft tissue therapist and, you know, I'd like to talk to him a little bit more about what he's doing. How are you, Kristen? Yeah, I'm good, Gladys. How are you going? Yeah, you're going well. Um, interested in what you're doing, you know, have a bit of a chat about it and, um, you know, what your journey's been about. So I think that'll be quite good. <laughs> but tell me, yeah, now I didn't even warn you before we started, but your favourite quote? Oh, my favourite quote. See, I've got a quote that's stuck in my office, and yeah. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's like inspirational or anything. But I've got this thing that's stuck in my office just to remind me. But it says um, the smartest thing I ever did was hire my weakness. Okay. Now, yep. I mean, that's you know that's in all aspects. But mm, um, mm. so it's not it's not really inspirational, but it certainly gets stuff done. It's a very good business decision. You know, I've got. <laughs> I've got a very yeah. good office manager, Kylie, who absolutely is brilliant. She's so good with office work and methods and keeping yeah. systems going and organising things. And and I just I just want to go and ride my horse and go outside and you know do a bit of training. And she just no, keeps yeah. everything organised. So so she's my weakness, you know, which gives me a time to do my strengths. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think of every I think of things including. Like you know, having my mode, my lawn mode, my yep. pool done. But I've got a PA, and she's just absolutely incredible. Um, but she just um, she gets everything going for me. So I mean, I think that that's one of the uh, like that's a quote that's in my office. Mm. Um, but I don't actually like you know I, like inspirationally. I think about um, you know I, a very long time ago. I um, uh, listened to one of those TED talks, and there was a woman who spoke about post-traumatic growth as opposed to post-traumatic stress. Okay, yep, uh, yep. I, I love that. I mean, as a concept, I really love that because I'm kind of like that. So, you know, I think, you know, like I've grown a lot in injury. So, yes, And I'm sure yes. a lot of horse people have as well. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So long answer, but uh, yeah. No, no, that's, that's good. I'm just thinking about that whole post-traumatic growth and, um, you know, I'm thinking I'm sure she came across in a business sense, you know, a personal sense that you might have um, lost something emotionally and then grown from that or, or businesses, you know, go through periods of trauma and then grow from yeah. there. But does that relate to equine soft tissue therapy? I mean, does, that, does a horse have any trauma and then get better and stronger from that or is that something that's got to be manipulated? Yeah, you know, certainly horses um, get bigger and stronger from having things fixed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I often find in, so for example, in thoroughbreds in racing, if a horse has been holding on to an injury for a while, 
um, just fix, fixing a simple strain will certainly make them go quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all the time. But, you know, um, I don't know that it's a similar thing, though. Okay, okay. Not like muscles, it's sort of as, as they get overworked, they get bigger and bigger and bigger and stronger. Yeah, well, they tend, they tend to, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, but so far as the, um, like, you know, a trauma thing, um, yeah, you know, I see horses that are very capable that have um, a small thing stopping them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, you know, when you release those small things or when you fix release those that small trauma. things. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you release that trauma, but uh, but not a, I not I don't see it so much as in an emotional way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but certainly in a performance way. Yep, yep. All right, now I'm thinking about how you started as an equine soft tissue therapist. Like, what's your background? How did this all come about? Because you've been working with horses well, for a while now. What about twenty years? Twenty. Uh, yeah, 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 just about twenty years. Um, yeah, well, kind of going back to that post traumatic growth thing. Um, I was in hospitality and I was racing BMXs pretty seriously and I raced in the world titles. Okay. And um, shortly after that, I did one like a silly little club event when you're not concentrating. Yep. And um, and I just overshot a jump and went over the bars and broke my back. In oh, three no. Places. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so what happened was while I was in hospital I, and I, just, I pretty much decided that if I could walk again, I was always one of those little animal kind of kids that, wanted to, you know, just muck around with animals somehow. Yes. Um, and so I decided then that I'd work with animals. And I started off dealing with, um, I started off with behaviour. Mm-hmm. But what happened, as I was trying to get my back right, I just developed a fascination for different types of therapies. And um, and it was surprising to me that people who looked like they weren't doing anything were actually often a lot more effective than people who seemed to be doing a lot. Yep. So I decided to look into muscle connective tissue and nerves and stuff, and I, I came across Bowen therapy in 1999, mm-hmm. and um, and I started doing Bowen therapy for um, dogs and rescue animals, and um, I was mostly looking after um, uh, dogs, and I was doing koalas, kangaroos, like chickens, swans, snakes. I thought I was going to go towards doing zoos yep. or like zoo animals. And then um, one day I was lucky enough to uh, fix a dog for a race trainer and he asked me to come in and have a look at horses and it kind of started from there. So I was never actually a horsey person or uh, anyone that actually wanted anything to do with horses at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, everyone comes on a different journey, don't they? So those first few horses, I mean, obviously you must have had success with them because you kept going. <laughs> I was actually quite honestly, Glennis, I was crapping myself. Oh, um, okay. I really, I was doing it kind of out of someone pushing me to do horses. Mm. Um, I'd already started speaking at conferences and stuff for small, my work with small animals. And uh, honestly, whenever people ask me what animals I treat, my most common answer was anything but horses. <laughs> and um, so I was really, I really didn't want to work with them. And so what happened was when I worked with my first few, I, I realized I had a kind of a connection and a definite knack for fixing them. Mm-hmm. So I kind of followed onto that, even though I was petrified. Okay, okay. I know, it's kind of weird. It was Yeah, jumping outside your comfort zone, hey? Uh, without a doubt. You know, um, it, was, it was not where I expected to be going, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So tell me how you went, though, from one racehorse trainer to 
all over the place and you work with quite a few, I think racing, eventing, dressage, polo, all these other horses. Was it just like a word of mouth to start with? Did you start to do some advertising? How did it grow from there? Yeah, so I thought thought at the time that I would try to um, get in contact with all the race trainers that I could possibly find. Okay. Um, I wrote letters and sent some information and did all that sort of thing, Um, made cards, you know, and, and delivered them. But none of that worked. And, um, like, you know, quite honestly, when I first met um, Sylvia McLaughlin, she's a dressage rider. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first met Sylvia McLaughlin, she kind of took me under her wing, really, and, and just introduced me to almost everyone she knew. And so, um, like, she was just so happy with what I'd done with her horses that um, in no time I was all of a sudden treating like some of the best dressage and polo horses in Australia. And I had absolutely no idea who these people were, even though I was treating their horses. Yep, yep. Now, how did you meet Sylvia, though? Oh, so she heard someone – well, she spoke to someone that had known about me, Mm -hmm. and she had a problem with um, a horse that she imported. And so um, she contacted me, and I was only really starting off in horses at that point – and so um, she contacted me and asked me if I was doing horses at all, and I said yes. <laughs> and um, she dragged me from Mount Eliza out to Geelong, which is about a two-hour-and-a-half-hour drive, I think. Yep, yep. And um, so she she got me out there, and quite honestly, the first time she used me, she thought, no, oh, I don't think he's that special, and just let me go. And then yeah. about six months later, she had a mare called Mayfly, and um, so she spent probably about seven to eight thousand dollars in vet bills like having this horse looked at and fixed and and everything done to it and they told her that she was going to have to be a broodmare and so one night sylvia just remembered my name and my number and gave me a yell and asked me to come have a look at her yeah and um i went out to see mayfly and it turned out to be like a pelvic strain and so i treated mayfly twice and she was back in competition wow wow that's that's nice yeah yeah so from there sylvia just sort of was like better than advertising that's for sure she was like amazing for me yep 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 now i know you've been a keynote speaker for the bowen therapist federation the annual conference did you talk about horses specifically what sort of things do you talk about at a conference like that oh so that conference i was actually then speaking about um my work with small animals okay um because at that point when i started um there were no animal courses i mean there was a woman by the name of Elizabeth Mitchell that had started doing her own course um, on small animals and also um, on horses. Mm-hmm. But um, I was speaking specifically at that point on small animals and what my effects were, um, what my what I was noticing about Bowen in small animals because it was such a new field then because there were only, I mean, at the time, I was only qualified as a people practitioner. Yes. Um, but transferred it over to animals myself. So... People were just interested in, you know, how it transferred over, if it worked, um, what were the observations, etc. So that's what I was speaking about. Mm, mm. Okay, okay. Well, that makes sense. And I suppose a lot of the stuff, you know, between small animals and horses, there's got to be a lot of relevance there. But apart from the handling, are horses different to working with the small animals? I think it took me about two years to transfer what I knew from small animals to horses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I expected them to be so similar, um, and in reality, they were extremely different. Yep. Like, I couldn't believe the difference. Uh, I think, much like, you know, we're upright, so 
you know, usually we have patterns of sore between the shoulders, sore hip, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, even though dogs and horses are quadrupeds, uh, like the differences that they in which they hold themselves were completely different. Now, I'm, you know, I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, there are differences in sports, obviously, and um, and different sore soreness patterns or or um, dysfunctional patterns in in different sports. But I wouldn't say it's just because of the rider. I would just say because it's how they use themselves. Um, so I was surprised to find that there actually was um, more difference than there was the same when I tried to transfer it over. I thought it was going to be a cakewalk, and it just wasn't. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Did you do any extra study to do with horses to just find them, or was it um, a matter of working with them, a bit of trial by error? I, so so what I did was I think I spent about two years trying to sort it out myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit arrogant like that. I like to um, take the hard road, obviously. <laughs> and and so, so I spent about two years trying to, uh, probably longer actually than that, sorting it out myself. And I thought I had most of it, but wherever I found a hole in my treatment or a hole in um, my diagnosis or anything, I'd either spend a lot more time on that or I would read more. Um, I read a a lot of books, mostly um, just generic bodywork books, not Mm -hmm. horse books. And then I also, probably the only other course that I've done outside of a Bowen therapist course um, that I didn't just read in books was a thing at the time called Equus Muscle Care, um, okay. and that was that was uh, a group that I think they've now moved to New, New Zealand. Um, so it's similar; to, it's an adaptation of Emmet, I guess, um, and I've kind of adapted it even more. Like so, you know, now even though I'm a soft tissue therapist, um, it's kind of an adaptation of um, that Equus Muscle Care. Bowen therapy, a thing called, um, there was an old bloke that came from South Australia called Bill Hatchard and Hatchard's Way, osteopathy or, you know, osteopathy principles. Um, it's kind of been a big mess of a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm sort of like this this real mongrel now mm-hmm. of um, <laughs> therapy. Yeah. Okay, okay. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Or specialty bread. Yeah, specialty bread and I'm completely (laughs) messed up for all the purists. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about, you know, you said about there being a difference between sports. Can you talk a little bit about how different sports are prone to different types of injuries with horses? Yeah. Um, You know, um, everyone thinks that racing is very hard. Uh, You know, um, I think that, like, polo and cutting are are quite taxing. You know, uh, I find different different types of um, patterns 
With uh, polo, it's very pelvic, and same with cutting. There's a lot of pelvic issues that I see. Um, with racing, it's hamstrings and neck mostly, uh, but it depends on, you know, if the track is hard or, or too deep, and it's much the same in dressage, um, you'll find that when the horse has to start digging and using going a bit front-wheel drive, that you start getting front more strains more in the front. Um, dressage, I have what I call good soreness, um, okay. which is, again, like, you know, right it's the biceps femoris. It's right behind the bum when you get them really to sit. Um, so I can tell when people are really starting to make their horse drive from behind mm-hmm. um, or, or if they're allowing their horse to be front-wheel drive. But all the different, all the different um, sports definitely have a different pattern. Okay. Um, jumping is high up in the hamstrings, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, often you can look at a horse and just, especially if a horse is competing at a higher level, you know, look at their muscle structure and um, yeah. and know what sort of work they'd be doing. So I suppose it'd be much the same with the soreness. It's more more likely to be this type of horse produces this type of soreness. Yeah, and quite honestly, I have a I have a woeful eye for soreness. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know you could you could scroll a completely lame horse past me, and I wouldn't be able to pick anything. Okay, um, I'm very much a feeling sort of a person. Mm, okay, okay. Um, I really need to palpate. I've got a, I've got a shocking eye for. I mean, I have an eye for movement, but I personally think my eye for movement is shocking. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I need to feel, you know, when you see people trot the horse up and back, yeah, yeah, and they and they say, oh, so what can you see? I'm like, oh, can I touch it? Can I? Press it? <laughs> <laughs> sort of, I I find everything through palpation. All right, all right. Just thinking about that. Have you got a case study, something you know, a horse that you can tell us about? Um, the one that springs to mind really is uh, is um, one that actually reminded me while I was learning. Um, not just to, uh, firstly, not to think you're right and mm-hmm. also not to just whiz over things. Don't rush. Um, don't think you know what's going on. And I, and I, um, I, early days I got into a pattern whereby I would um, look at my previous notes before I treated a horse okay. um, so I could see what was going on. And there was, um, there was a horse, um, her race name was Status Symbol, and I think she won the Myers or she won the... No, she won the mum stakes, and um, she always had a really severely sore neck. Okay. Uh, and so whenever she whenever she started getting really rigid in the neck, we, she just wouldn't run. Um, mm. She wouldn't race, wouldn't race well. And so I would always, like I was in a rush one day, and I was just going to treat her as usual. We knew she was a good horse. We knew she had the neck problem, and I did the typical – Yep, I'm short of time, and I went over there and I treated the neck, and I kind of like not cheating, but you know, I just I just thought I had it. I just thought I knew what I was doing, and I thought I was a bit clever, clever, and I thought I'll fix the neck and she'll be right. And um, and so then I went back to the trainer after after he um, I went out to have a look at this horse, and he said, Yeah, mate. So what's you know what's going on? How's she going? And I said, Yeah, no, no, the neck's fine. And he turned around and said to me, Yeah, I know the neck's fine. What's going on with the hamstrings? <laughs> and I'm like. Oh, my yep. God, like such a rookie error, you know. And so it wasn't like I was trying to cheat him or anything. It was just I thought I had it handled. Yes. Um, and, like, you know, it was after that that she actually ended up winning the mum stakes. But 
I just remember from that point, um, from that point, I, I never look at my notes first. Mm. Um, I always go and have a look at the horse. I always treat the horse and then I will look at my notes. And if there's something that I want to refer back to and recheck, then I'll check it. Yep. Um, but uh, like that was certainly, like to me, that was a big lesson. Mm, mm, uh, mm. You know, I mean, she's certainly one that sits in my brain. Yep, yep, yep. I want to ask you now about your biggest challenge business career challenge, you know, because starting 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of bow and therapy or support for horses so much. I'm sure you would have come across some challenges there. Have you got any stories, anything you'd like to say about that? Do, do you mean like um, like uh, so far as acceptance? Yeah, or? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? Um, very early days, I would always um, – try to really explain myself mm-hmm. um, and I think that comes with anything when you're new to it. Yep. Um, you, you tend to speak a lot and um, try to convince people that what you're doing is good. Yep. Um, I think like, you know, um, the first time that I really went, oh my God, I'm doing some really serious stuff was when I was flown out to um, James Packer's polo stable. It's called okay. Alliston. Yep. It's out in Scone. Now, I was actually flown out there because there was a horse that had been sold, but it hadn't passed the vet check. Um, there was something wrong with its back. And so the person who was selling it, or who, who was actually selling it, um, contacted me and asked if they could fly me up to the stable um, and speak with the vets and fix this horse for them so the sale would go through because mm-hmm. apparently it went lots of money. Yep. And so I, I flew out there and ended up not only treating that horse, fixing it and passing it for the vet examination, but then Alice hung on to me for about two or three days afterwards to treat all their horses. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. So um, so that was kind of like this is serious mum moment. Yep. You know? Yep. And the place itself is just ridiculous. So, I mean, it's, you know, they've got 800 acres of fenced proper, of security fenced property with about 500 horses at the time. Mm. Um, and, you know, the 10-seater helicopter and all the big stables, I think two stable blocks that each have um, something like 42 stalls in each stable with their own kitchens and their own, like it was crazy. I think about 100 or so staff looking after them. Yep, yep, um, yep. You know, but, but I think from there I realised that I was actually starting to um, work with some serious animals. Yeah, yeah. And do some and, and make a serious change as well. Yes, yeah. It's not just the individual change for the individual horse. It's about the whole industry, isn't it? Change within the industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, and and the fact that I went over there and there were there were you know uh, Elliston's vets who had failed this horse, and they mm. were actually quite happy after they'd seen what I'd done and how I'd gotten rid of the discomfort. Yep. Um, so I think that that's a really I mean, it was definitely, that was a real serious part. That's yes. when things changed. And that's, that's been quite a while ago now. I'd say that was probably about 11 years ago or so. Mm, mm, good, good. What about, you know, just thinking about people, what's a common fault, the common problem that you fix? And I'm sure you don't want to teach everyone to be, you know, an equine muscle therapist over the, you know, over the internet, but something that people can even just look at, you know, just, just check this on your horse if this happens, or you know, yeah. just something—a little bit of little bit of education for people. Yeah. So I have some YouTube videos, and I'm I'm oddly enough actually writing a book at the moment. But um, well, I have some YouTube videos, and they teach people, like the general people, 
how to uh, how to check a sore neck or okay. uh, sorry a yep. sore back. Yep. So it, I mean, it's designed specifically to help people understand whether they have a sore back and what it is that what's the most logical next step. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I realised is that if you actually um, the problem that I was making early days was that um, whenever I'd check a back and I actually found something that was sore, I thought it was actually soreness in the back at that point. Um, But what I realised, so if I was running my finger along the horse's back and it flinched, say, for example, just behind the wither, I thought that it was the spine just behind the wither that was the problem. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was I realised down the track that if um, because I because I tried to treat the spine and I tried to treat the long isthmus, which is that big fillet muscle, yep. um, and I wasn't making any difference. So what I ended up realising is that it isn't actually the back that was the problem; it's the muscles that actually attach to the spine at that point. Mm, mm, okay. So, so if you run, so what I ended up doing is if you run your fingers along the horse's back and you see a flinching, and I call them a reaction point. So if you see a very specific point of of where the horse dips away from your finger, you just consider what muscle actually attaches into that point, and it's usually a dysfunction of that muscle. Okay. But they're very happy to get on YouTube and have a look at my videos, and it explains that a lot. All right. All right. We'll put all those details on your your page, you know, and that'll say people having to go to YouTube and search them. They can just go straight to Horse Chats and find them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, thinking about going forward, you know, what are you looking forward to now? You've sort of done 20 years in the business. It, it could be 20 years. Or what are you doing just in the next 12 months? So um, last year I just finished doing a uh, – I was in an award-winning documentary um, that was called Listening to the Horse. Okay, good. Um, yep. So that was um, – it was a, a um, oh, an Irish-based documentary. Excuse me. It was an Irish-based doc- documentary. Yep. And um, – and uh, I think I think it was Elaine Haney. She was looking for what she classified as 75 of the most influential people in horses. And um, lucky for me, I ended up being one of those. I was going to say, we, we've had quite a few people on that chat from that as well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah so you'll find a few. Yeah. So, um, so I've just done that. Um, this week I finished filming for um, In America There's Going to Be um, – Similar to uh, um, at Equitana, but it's an online fair. Okay. Um, and they were looking for 20 speakers from all around the world um, to do a masterclass and teach people how to um, do something. And mine is on teaching people how to know if their horse is sore or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today, obviously, this. So for the future for me, and as I said, I'm also writing a book, which I, I want directed towards um, horse owners, not not therapists necessarily, although it's going to be, um, there's going to certainly be enough information for therapists, vets, whatever. Um, I, I actually want to start empowering people to understand um, if they do have a problem and what's the most logical next step. Okay. Like if it is a saddle, if it is a, a veterinary issue, if it is a therapist issue, what types of therapies are available, um, what sorts of um, therapeutic tools are available that they can use themselves. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really um, aiming towards um, helping people understand their horses a bit more and understanding, like, you know, muscular dysfunction in, in a manner that's really simple to digest. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so when, yeah, how long so do you think that'll be? I'm trying to finish the book by this year. Okay, good. 
but you know, you know what that's like. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling as many people about it as possible, so I get myself into gear and actually, you know, keep that up and get oh, it done straight away. Christian, I'm going to say, let us know when you've got it done, and we'll get you to come back and talk about it. <laughs> That'll put you on the spot. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm. I mean, I'm well into it. It's just I didn't. I didn't realize how many. You know, it actually like it birthed from. Um, I had a, had a horse drawn many years ago, and I did a very basic, you know, and it was in conjunction with the YouTube videos of how to check your horse's back. Yep. And um, and probably about six months ago, I took this poster that I had created, and I drew on it all the squiggles that I now check. Yep. And it was just absolutely plastered, and I was looking at this poster with all these squiggles. And I decided that I needed to write a book so whoever read the book would look at all these squiggles and understand exactly what they meant. Oh, okay, and, yes. Yep. You know, and so that's how it kind of started. That's yeah. how, it, how it was kind of created. Yeah, yeah, it takes a while. Yeah, well, I've done one a few years ago when we did uh, 101 Ways to Make Money with Horses. Well, you know, that's caused a little bit of a a little bit of a sensation just the title you know and everyone was saying well I can tell you a thousand one ways to uh, oh, lose God. money with horses but it was basically about know, right? careers yeah <laughs> so I've rebranded yes. that and called it 101 careers in the horse industry and that's available oh, as a go. yeah just as a free download for um on either online horse college or international horse college and people yeah, can get that go. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting. I think that there's so many careers in the horse industry. It's not just a matter of, you know, I can remember when I was at school, the, the guidance officer said to me, well, all, all of this is just picking up horse manure. Well, there's so many careers oh. that really go beyond that. And, you know, you've come in and shown you're one of them. So, yeah. Mm, and mm, and mm. even will separate into so many different areas. I, yes. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't do much in the way of rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's a whole other area that's going to become massive. Um, yes. So, yeah, don't do rehabilitation. I do it um, mostly for performance, make sure that there's no dysfunction and pick things up early. Yep. Um, but once once we have a trauma, then you need a vet and you probably need a, like a physio or someone who does rehab. Mm, 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 um, yeah. So I, I thought even my area is going to splinter into a ridiculous amount of different paths. Yes, yes, yes. I can see that as we get more and more specialists. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. But I'd be happy if you ever have an idea for my book. Please let me know because I'm completely stumped. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. We'll do. And I think you know any listeners. And, and and another thing is, if you've got you know questions that you'd like to ask Christian the next time he comes back, that option's available on his page as well. But before we go, Chris, if you can summarise just in a couple of sentences, you know, your philosophy with horses, your philosophy with treating horses, you know, a bit of a lesson for our listeners, what would you say? Um, you know, I, I consider myself really lucky. I've been doing this for almost 20 years and I think I've been, and I see like I've got probably about 700 clients or just a bit more on my book. Um, I probably see in the vicinity of, 50 to 60 horses a week, and I've been bitten once and kicked once. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, so, like, you know, I, I always think that, um, you know, we all know that they reflect our moods. Yep. Um, so, like, my, you know, I always go in there thinking you shouldn't be in a rush and you shouldn't be in a, in a bad mood. Yeah. Um, I think that probably goes for riding as well, but I don't ride. 
Um, <laughs> but certainly when I go in and meet a strange horse, um, which I do every single day, um, you know, I think you've got to be really mindful of who you're being when you get there. Okay. And, you know, I think, I think um, being mindful, not being in a rush and not being in a bad mood because if you're in a rush, it's gonna, you're going to get later and if you're angry, it's going to be a worse day and, you know, so forth. Um, so you kind of got to just, I think that's why so many people like being around them because you kind of have no choice but to just, like, chill. Yeah, yeah, and certainly they can uh, give you lots of rewards if you can do that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Have it every day. Yeah. Now, Christian, how can people contact you? What's the best way? We're going to put all these details on the bottom of your page, which will be horsechats.com slash Christian Langer. Yeah, so I'm, so if um, for any appointments, I'm I'm based in Mornington Peninsula, but I, I sort of do Mornington Peninsula, Cranbourne and Geelong, thanks to Sylvia. Mm-hmm. Um, so for bookings, it's uh, 0431. Six four three one six zero, and that's Caroline Martier. She's awesome. Um, for me, um, the best one to get me on is um, info at thoroughperformance dot com. Okay, um, that'd be the easiest way to catch me. Um, right. uh, but like, I'm on Facebook, and there's a Thorough Performance Facebook thing, and also you can check out YouTube. Yes, yes, and we'll put those YouTube links at the bottom of that page as well. Christian, yeah. yeah, thank you for coming. Your information is great. You know, I think and another career in the horse industry and I think you've got a really interesting background. You know, you came in without knowing the benefits of horses, but I think you've realised the benefits of horses and just being around horses and um, you've learned how to communicate with them. So thank you very much for that. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for getting in contact. Okay, no worries at all, Christian. We'll talk to you later. Okay, thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.